everyone. We need a name for everybody. Like the rebirthies. Yuck. <laughs> the what love. You the love. Is that I have the worst jokes and Rome just keeps me accountable. He's like, no, come better. But welcome back to the rebirth of life and love. You got Felicia here. You got Rome. Rome in the building under weather, but we're here making it happen for yes. our insert group name, whatever you want to go by. Let us know in the comments. Yes. So this is episode five and we are on the parent journey. If you haven't been listening, I advise you go back to episode one, because what we're really trying to do is lay that foundation, let you guys get to know us. So when we hop into some other topics, you understand our perspective and you feel like you really know the two of us because for so long we have been Callie's parents, Romy's parents for this new platform. And it's been a blessing and it's definitely, you know, turned us into better people, but we're more than that. And so I think it's very timely that we're talking about parenthood and just how we got here because rebirth, it's all about becoming and evolving and we born again. Exactly. Trials, triumph, love, life. And for us, I feel like this stage parenthood has really evolved us the most. Like we are different people than we were before Cali, before Roman and when you really hear about what we went through, the tests that we went through, you'll understand it to a whole different degree. Cause I don't think we've ever dove into it. Like we're about to do right now. Yes, truly. When we remind you what happened in episode one, the dating story, I told Felicia right away, it wasn't on date number one, but maybe it was date number three. Yeah. I said, I want a family and I want kids. And if that's not what you want, feel free to go explore. But that's what I'm looking for. And I put that out there like that because becoming a parent, weird as weird as that sounds, becoming a parent and having my own family is something that I've wanted for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I knew that when the time was right to do it, that I wanted to take the opportunity to do it with this woman that I love that I could see myself spending the rest of my life with. Fast forward. We've been married for seven years now, yeah. a newly seven years because our anniversary just passed. And, you know, we're doing all this talk about our parenthood journey. Um, but tell me, you know, again, let's quickly revisit this. When I told you mm. at 23 years old, you were 23. I think I was 24 or close to it. I told you I want a family and I want kids you know, what was your thought and when was kind of like your timeline to, to become a parent? Ooh. So when you told me that, I loved it. I was like, okay. Cause you weren't saying you wanted it tomorrow or the next nah. day. You were just saying, I want a family. And so I love that we align with that because I'm deeply rooted in my family and so are you. And so the fact that family was at the forefront for you, I was like, okay. And you, you wanted a family, but you wanted a wife. And you wanted that to come in a certain order. And so then you dive deeper for me. I knew I wanted kids, but I never grew up saying like, I want this big family and I want to be married. I just knew it happened eventually, but I wasn't someone who like fantasized it and dreamt about it. But I love kids. And so I knew that was going to be a part of my journey. 
But I was one of those individuals who was like, I want to have, I want to be married by 25, kids before I'm 30. I want three of them. And God has a funny way of taking like what you think is going to happen and saying, no, we're going to do this on my time because that wasn't how it happened. <laughs> we, and you still ain't getting three. So uh, <laughs> the Lord, the Lord just spoke to me. He, he, he no. whispered in my ear. He said, neighbor, tell that girl she ain't getting another one. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I just thought timing was everything. And I, I had a timeline and life has not gone on our time and it has happened when it's supposed to happen. And I think that's so true for both of us on our parenthood journey. I think it's a, a perfect theme of when things present themselves to us, we had all the skills to be ready for it. But in that timing, that moment, we were just kind of thrown off like, whoa, this is a lot. And so... Yeah, I wanted three kids. I wanted four or 30. And what happened? We got married when we were 29 and 30 and then had our first kid at, I was 33. So uh, the clock was ticking in that sense of, okay, maybe we might not have three, but I'm still working on Rome. Well, we're here. And, you know, again, like she said, we got married at 29, 30. And the, the goal was to have kids right away. We knew we were up there. Um, but like for so many people, I don't know why, but society tells us it's easy to have children. Um, society tells us, and maybe it's just like the parent scare tactic that they, they use when you're younger and, you know, when you're having the, the birds and the bees talk, but it's really not that easy to get somebody pregnant. And of course I say that as somebody who is like, I have my own chronic illnesses and granted, I really, during that whole process, like we had a few times where we were just like, oh, Felicia's period is late. Like maybe, maybe this is it. And every single time, like the period would come like a few days later, like a week later. Seriously. And it was just like, it, I feel like it happened three times off memory. It probably happened like four or five, but. Yeah. Like three or four. Three or four. Where, okay. Like we. Rome and I were talking and we said like, we wanted to be newlyweds for a minute. And I think that's just a theme for us too. It's like, we, we our our minute while. was like six months. We said we're going to be newlyweds for like six months then we go try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when we started trying, like in my head, I was thinking, okay, we'll try around this date, six months from August. So, you know, put us at December, January, we start trying and then... Oh, I'll get pregnant within a few months. We're also trying to think, oh, do we want to have Scorpio babies, Gemini babies? Yeah. No, it's not that easy. A few times, like Rome said, I was late. The moment we took that test, the next day my period started. And it started to hit us. Like, this is not going to be as easy as we thought. And I feel like that was our first test of bringing us together of, okay, how bad do we want to be parents? And like, what's our why? Because if our why for me was I had so much love to give, and I wanted to provide this home for a child. I wanted to have those memories. I wanted to, to build a family and create new traditions. And if that's the case, then maybe there's other ways to have that. Maybe there's adoption. Maybe there's, um, you know, surrogates. There's all those other options that we started to talk about because we were feeling really defeated. And I love to hear about from your perspective because with you having autoimmune disease, you felt like, it was you like it was yeah your, it, it you just were carrying that 
it just didn't make sense because she's a professional athlete, you know, and by every measure of, of health, like she's healthy. And it's just like, why is this not happening? And unfortunately, again, a lot of males go through this as I get older and start having these conversations with friends and stuff like that. And it's just a lot of friends have trouble and it's just like, it just is what it is. And so right away, I'm like, this has to be me sick all the time. I'm nauseous all the time. I'm fatigued all the time. I have a, a nasty hormonal imbalance. Like everything pointed to me. And so there was a lot of pressure to know, I even asked my acupuncturist, I'm like, yo, straight up, because he's one of the people that I would attribute to saving my life. And I was like, hey, we're trying to get pregnant. I'm not getting the job done. Like, what can you do? He was great and and really like, for one, giving me compliments, but like in confidence, but like, I don't know, confidence sounds wild or compliments sounds wild, but confidence. Um, I don't know if there's anything like he could have done at that moment. Um, and, you know, again, like medically tested, I never like got sample tested or anything like that. But like, you know, years in advance, I find out I have a cyst on my prostate. So maybe that could have been it. I don't know. But long story short, with that, I took everything personally. I suffered in silence. And then finally I opened up to Felicia and I was like, this is my fault. And truly like had so much pressure on myself to where like we had no choice but to be like let's pause this for now right. like let's not do this anymore for now and let's just see Dude. when it comes naturally <laughs> no but it's for real though and i feel like you've been having conversations with friends about this and i wish that you had that support system back then to know that it wasn't you or that other people were going through the same thing because i feel like men don't talk about that they don't talk about the struggle it is to get pregnant and how maybe it might be on them. But for us, we didn't know. You just were taking it so personal because of your health. But what we did was we took the pressure off in the sense of I wasn't timing my cycle and I wasn't timing all the things of like, okay, I'm the most fertile right now. We need to, go, like, this is our window. No, we just put that to the side, live life and said it will happen when it's supposed to happen. And I feel like that was our saving grace of, okay, we don't have to just think about this all the time. And so moving forward, of course, when we stop thinking about it is when it happens. So right. Rome and I had this trip for his say, do, do you want to tell them how we saved like $5,000 by getting pregnant? Yes. <laughs> Ooh. Um, so Rome had a cousin whose birthday was coming up and it was in Dubai. And y'all... I love to travel. I've never been on an international trip. Rome, because of just health. You keep saying you've never been on a, Oh, at that point. No, at that point, no. we've been to the, we've been to DR. Okay, we've been, no, we've been to DR, but I'm talking about <laughs> flying hours on hours. I was like, yes, I wanted to go on a big trip. And so Rome wasn't about it because he was like, I'm not trying to fly 10 hours anywhere. No, 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 no. 10, it's 15. Yeah, it's a 15 but 10 plus, hour. we're trying to fly that far or that long. And so this was opportunity where it was like, we'll cover, we'll cover our stay. And the, we just had to get ourselves there. And we were like, come yeah, on. We and were the cousins were like, this is going to be a good time. They know how to show out for something. So we were it was like. A th it was 30th birthday. Yeah. So it was like, it was big. And like Felicia said, 
we just had to get down there. Everything else was going to be covered. And no we were just like, after we started doing research, we're just like, oh, okay. Because the backstory, I don't fly well because I, I really think I get altitude sickness. Because any flight I take, I get nauseous. Mm-hmm. I get dehydrated. No matter how much I prep beforehand, I fainted on flights to New York, yeah. woke up in a pool of sweat. But regardless, I don't fly well. And I don't do well after I land. And so I was looking at Dubai and they had this um, this IV place that was like pretty close to where we were staying. So I had it planned like, all right, we're going to take this trip. We're going to land. And actually, we were going to do it smart because we were going to there was a flight on the regular class. And I know that sounds bougie, but hold on, <laughs> hang with me from from Seattle to Dubai, which I think was like nonstop was like 15 hours or something yeah. like that. But what we were going to do is we were going to, um, we found it was going to be better to drive to Vancouver, BC, which is like oh, yeah. two hours from Seattle, fly no. to London. And we would have like a night in London and then fly the next day. So we were going to break it up. So we were real serious. Like, real we serious. were really trying to do this. We're okay. We're going to make this trip work. We're going to try to save some money, but also experience different countries while we're there. So we're getting ready to, to book our flight. And I think we were waiting for a certain date. We've been tracking. I've been tracking Google flights. Yeah. And Google flight was like, all right, buy on Thursday or Tuesday or whatever it yes. says. So we were waiting for that time Okay, to so buy. that's what it said. And we had like a little kickback at our house from all day weekend. We were having a good time. And we were going to buy those tickets that Thursday. And I was probably like a week late. And I was like, you know what? Whatever. A week is whatever in what we've been through. And I was like, "Mm, I had a pregnancy test. Let me just take it. And it was positive. And I was like. We're just like, is this real right now? Like, of course it's real. But is this like, because again, with our luck, we both, I feel like, got so excited. And then the period would come. And then we're just like, oh, man. Yeah. So we didn't know how to take that news. But we were like. Let's take another one. <laughs> so we had two positive and I'm like, this is it. And so we had to call your cousin and say, hey, you're the first to know this, but we're not going to Dubai because the way it's lined up, I'm going to be like eight months pregnant. And she's like, that is the best reason for a no that I've ever heard. So excited for you guys. So that's like, that started the journey of us trying and trying and it not happening. And then the timing of all, all of it coming together. So you go through the pregnancy and it was smooth. You know, first pregnancy for me, I'm 32 at the, at the time and taking the test, glucose test came back, I'm fine. I'm working out, I'm having great energy and the pregnancy was just going as perfect as it could have been for a new mom. I was tired, you know, some swollen feet where I'm still owes me about three foot massages because he promised me one every every trimester and I got one. So anyways, I digress on that one. So it's going smooth and then it doesn't. Did we just get almost like socked in the chest low key? It was, um, it was a moment where you go from like so happy to so stressed and so isolated in a matter of seconds and like, which is unfortunately something that I'm used to, which we'll get into that later. But like, we just, just imagine everything is great. And then you're told, oh, hey, by the way, this doesn't look right. Yeah. And we're just like, 
the f- what do you mean? Right. And so we went into my 36 week appointment and that was where I was going to see if Kalia's head was down, you know, how much she weighed and just really start to prepare for my delivery. And in that appointment, I had a high level of amniotic fluid. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. And she said, that could be nothing. Usually for someone who has this much fluid, you would have failed your glucose test, which you didn't, but let's just do a follow-up. And so this is around the holidays. This is like late December and we do a follow-up the next week. And that appointment really shifted our lives for the rest of our lives. I mean, it, it put us on a different trajectory that neither one of us felt prepared for, but we stepped up to the occasion, you know? And so in that appointment, I had a ultrasound and she's looking through images and, you know, saving different pictures and she's kind of quiet. And she said that she would come back. I come back with the proniologist, the actual doctor will review these images and she'll share um, our findings. Okay. Let me add this. And of course, like I told you before, I'm a reader of body language and me reading this person's body language gave that there was something like seriously wrong. It wasn't like, uh, you know, I'll get the doctor. It's probably a formality type Mm -hmm. thing. There was none of that. It was like stone cold, like shoot. How do I break the news to these people? I was trying not to cuss. Yeah, I can't. (laughs) I got the the boss talked to me, pulled me in the office and told me I can't. I can't cuss anymore, so well, I, it's gonna sound unnatural. Yeah, well, but and she was gone. I think for me, it hit when five minutes went by, ten minutes went by, fifteen minutes went by, literally twenty minutes went yep. by before the doctor came back in. And this was at the end of the day, too, right? And when she came back in, she wanted to do the ultrasound all over again, and I just thought that was odd. Like you just got the pictures. What do you see? And then this is like for y'all who are new to the story. We just gonna tell it all. She asked, I had braids, you know? And so for those who can't see who I am, I'm an African-American woman and I had braids in and braids are a protective hairstyle. She asked me, well, first she said, how's the pregnancy going? Have you been more tired than usual? And I said, no, I'm feeling fine. And then she goes, and is that all your hair? Is that hair yours? Yeah. That's what she is said. That, is that, no, she's like, is that all your hair? Is that hair yours? Which, whichever one, it was... It threw me off. I was, excuse me? Oh, um, it's just beautiful. It's pretty. It was literally what? that moment where I was sitting over there like, really? you, you know, because again, all right, again, to play it back, we're sitting in this room. It's tense. It's quiet. It's just me and Felicia in here. Then she comes in awkwardly and we're just looking for answers. So that's all we're listening for is answers. And then she says that and it was kind of like a, I, I know she didn't just say that, did she? I don't think she said, no, 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 I'm making that up. She didn't just ask you if that was your hair in braids. So it was a a white doctor at a clinic on the east side. And it was a trigger for us. In that moment, I knew the appointment was not going to go in our favor. And I knew that she was very uncomfortable. And I looked over at Rome just for support. I mean, we we both were looking at each other of, this is not, this is not feeling right. So she went back through the, the scan and... Then she presented that, oh, this is so hard to talk about. Wow. Do you um, want me to tell it? Yeah, no. It, it's just, y'all, like, 
we when you look in hindsight where we are today i am so blessed for my daughter i wish i knew what i knew now in that moment because she proceeded to tell me that she thought my daughter had spina bifida because there was um, a bump and a little fusion at her tailbone that need to have a c-section um she just went on and on and the moment i heard those two words i feel like i didn't hear anything else and also you guys have to know it's it's unnatural and if you've ever been in the doctor or if you haven't doctors don't typically just ramble out what they think diagnoses are they don't just as they're looking at pictures and looking at videos saying oh i see uh, this on this and this on this and it must be it could be this but I don't know about this like they say all that stuff and they think all that stuff but mm -hmm. they don't actually say it out loud she was saying it out loud so we went from Kalia has spina bifida to we have no idea to me being insulted because she was mentioning Felicia's or not Felicia's wow. Kalia's eyes because um, in the ultrasound Callie's eyes were bulging and her tongue was out and that's you know again like Felicia said knowing what we know now with Pfeiffer syndrome, that is a clear telltale sign. For one, for those who don't know Pfeiffer syndrome, Callie's tongue was out because she couldn't breathe mm -hmm. because Pfeiffer syndrome kids have taller heads, shallower skulls with a lot of pressure built up. So Callie's face, instead of, you know, sitting where a typical skull would sit, it was inverted like an inch. Right. And so her eyes were closer together. And so that's closer together. Said. And so she was like, she was looking at us the whole time and we're just like, oh, what are you looking at? And of course, me and Felicia are trying to be positive. Like, like maybe it's not, you know, what she's saying it is. Maybe it's just genetics. And she was talking about eyes being close together. And I'm like, oh, well, mine are close together. So that could be like, you know, just a genetic thing. And she's like, oh, you would be the one to say that. And it's just like, all right, ma'am, like you now are taking it to a place it doesn't need to go. But we were so powerless in the moment because we're here to this, we were here seeing this senior doctor for answers that if I went off or if we went off, we weren't gonna get. Little did we know we should have went off because we didn't get him anyway. Right, and I think this was our introduction, mine to the healthcare system. Rome had already been introduced through- And burned, yes. and that's why I'm scorned and that's why I'm ready to raise hell on all of it. And I think that's kind of our personalities so much in this journey is Rome has been um, Let me tell you, I've been misdiagnosed. Yes. I've been put on medicine I did not need that altered my whole entire body that I don't have many things I don't have control of today because of a failure to diagnose. And let me tell him, you put on prednisone. That's it. Like, look put, it on up, a, put on a hardcore steroid and it jacked up my whole entire life. Everything, hair fell out, eyesight went away. Gained all this weight, joint pains, sleepless nights, hormonal imbalance, appetite imbalance. And, 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 and that's just it. And so like I'm coming off of that to where I switch hospitals and this it's going to be relevant in a second, I promise. I switch hospitals to University of Washington. That's a medical hospital, a medical center, a research center. They specialize in a lot of this stuff they saw my stuff and they're like, no, you don't have this. You uh, have something else that actually can't be treated with medicine. What, 10, 12 years later? It's, uh, like, oh, oh, 04 to 16. Yeah. Like, come on now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, and so that's, that's what he's carrying with him. Like, I don't trust doctors. I don't, 
believe them for face value. Like we got to do our own research. We have to advocate for ourselves and for our daughter. And so, which is so much needed. And here I come from a place of this is my first experience with the healthcare system, pregnancy, and I'm already hearing about black women, the black maternal health, like women not making out of delivery because doctors not trusting them and not believing when they're saying that they're feeling pain. And so I instantly went to that. I felt like, oh, wow, my journey just went from a healthy journey to now I'm high risk. And she said, you should probably get a second opinion. So we asked for all of the paperwork, all of the notes from her as we switched to University of Washington to get a second opinion. And in that process, when I'm looking through all the notes. There's one other moment. The OBGYN explained it to us before we. Oh, yes. We got there. That that was, I think, the, the pivotal that was. change where, um, can I tell it or do you want to tell it? Go ahead. Um, so this was over, this was December 29th or 30th. So it was right before uh, New Year's Eve. And so we weren't going to get answers. So me and Felicia basically had to sit on this for five days. And like, we just were looking up everything she said because I was taking notes and did a lot of praying. Um, I'll get back to the praying thing in a second, but we finally get in to see her OBGYN and we're just in the room. She walks in the room and literally was like, I just want to give you a hug. And went right over to Felicia and gave her a hug. Like said, like nothing else. We still don't know anything. She's not an emotional person, like not touchy Philly. So this threw me off and I instantly started crying because like you said, we were waiting for answers. And in that moment, I knew that all the hope we had of this might not be what this doctor thinks it is. I was like, it clearly is. And she started to say craniosynostosis, some other words and diagnoses that we were like, excuse me? Yeah. And she's like, she didn't tell you this, did she? And we're like, no, this is the first time I'm hearing this. So she went from thinking that she was educating us on something to realizing that she was telling us news for the very first time. And her face was, she was appalled. Like, I am so sorry. And I'm just thinking, what's going on now? Now you're saying words and things that I've never heard of. And we were going home to look up spina bifida. Now you're saying craniosynostosis. And she encouraged us to have a second opinion. And that is when I went through the, we went through the process to get all the paperwork and switch to University of Washington. And during that, they printed out everything. And at the very end was this doctor's notes. And she starts to say, I believe this child has either Pfeiffer syndrome, Cruzon, or Apert. There are cousins uh, syndromes uh, that I wasn't able to build a strong rapport with the family. So I did not want to break news that would put her in a certain place. And I'm just thinking, okay, now I'm seeing these words again for the first time. So when we go to UW and we go through the ultrasound and do everything again, they say, yes, we do see what your first doctor saw. We do believe 90% that she has Pfeiffer syndrome. And we're just, and then that's when it clicks for me. Because I read it, but I didn't really know what I was reading. And then it clicked for both of us of, she knew. This doctor knew what our daughter potentially had, and she did not share it with us. Which, she did not. Which is unethical for a medical professional. Part of their job is to get the information and diagnose and she failed us. And yes, I know in the comments, you all are going to say, <laughs> Get a lawyer. you guys should have done this and this and this. Trust me, we did. We, talked we tried. 
and nothing came of it because we caught it early. Right. We we talked to three different lawyers and all of them, unfortunately, were saying that in order to move forward with a lawsuit, she would have had to pass away. There would have had to have been a serious medical concern. And so because we got the second opinion and we caught it, that there was nothing we could do. And so, but for us, we kept just harping on the point of, but what if? Like, we got the second opinion because we didn't feel comfortable with her. We didn't we didn't feel like she was telling us everything. We followed our gut. But what if we didn't do that? What if we didn't have the health insurance that allowed us to then go and get a second opinion? What if you dub a strong hospital wasn't in our backyard? Like what if? And so you will find that in our parenthood journey, we have become advocates. We are so passionate about the healthcare system, equity in it, and how we support other families who don't have the voice, who don't have the financial means to be able to advocate and to make change. Or even know that you can do that. That part. That, that truly, you know, again, we're talking about our introduction into parenthood, and that truly shapes. If, if you all follow us today or don't follow us and go back and look at all of our content, just remember this story and you'll literally see everything that we just talked about, how it's showing up today. Right. And so they shared, yes, we, we think she has Pfeiffer syndrome. We are a specialty hospital. You will spend quite a bit of time at Seattle Children's. I didn't know what quite a bit of time meant at that time. And they, the next step they did was introduce us to a neonatal doctor, which is who would be in the NICU. So I'm realizing, okay, she's going to spend some time in the NICU as well. And they clear. They made it very clear. They said, we are not a hospital that gets great reviews on being super personable, but we tell you the truth. And that meant so much to us because we have felt that in the last 10 days that the truth had been held from us and we needed just the facts. Let us handle it and process it how we need to, but we need to feel prepared. And when we went home that night and having to make the calls to our family, Oh, like I'm such an optimistic person. And that just took all my hope from me. And you could just hear in my voice. I called my parents, I called my brothers. I called my, uh, my best friends. We, we called our, our village who has shown up for us today. And it, it was so hard because the doctor said, do not go home and Google this. Don't do it. And what did we do? We Googled it. And I know many of you guys have too, Pfeiffer syndrome. Um, and the pictures aren't, pictures that make you feel like, oh, this is going to be a great experience. It, it, it makes you scared of the unknown. And Pfeiffer syndrome is not a syndrome that is by the book. Everyone has a different experience with it. Everyone has different um, abnormalities that happen from it. So we didn't really know what type and what level she would have it at, but we just knew that it was going to be a journey that was going to take us for a ride. I know Rome wanted to talk about praying because... We pray in general, but that night we went home, we got in the bed and Rome put his hands over my belly. Yeah. And, and really we, we pray anyway, but like, I just remember praying about, you know, to give us strength mm -hmm. and to give our baby strength and whatever it is that we didn't know that we needed to, um, <clears throat> to protect her, to care for her, that the Lord equip us with that. Mm -hmm. And 
the most oddest thing happened. There was like, you know, again, I don't, I don't say this lightly. There was almost like an energy transfer. Cause like I said, like my hands are like this on Felicia and Felicia's crying. I'm crying. I'm speaking these words. The words are just coming, you know, going through me. Ooh, and I felt <clears throat> like literally this shift. And another thing too, that's important. This, this doctor says spina bifida, but like Callie was a kicker. That's what she did yeah. when she was in the womb. She was a kicker. So like it didn't make sense that that's what she had um, because typically the spina bifida um, kiddos are paralyzed from the waist down, I think. Um, but Callie kicked a lot. And so again, this energy transfer happens and then Callie started going berserk, kicking. It felt like she was kicking and hitting and it was like, like a power transfer where she was just, you know, like soaking up everything. And it was, our eyes are closed praying. And we both looked at each other like, Whoa, it was the hardest kicking ever. And you know, what was actually happening it is it probably was a bit of our, our soul and, and everything that was being infused into her mm -hmm. and our fight that was being infused into her. But you know, that's also a pivotal thing because I, I, I don't have proof that this is happened, that this happened, but I think it is when it happened. Um, Callie's skull, uh, started to, how would you explain it? Some of the, the pockets in her skull started to bust open, which freed pressure around her brain. Mm -hmm. And since I know a lot of you have probably paused this or, or simultaneously, looking up Pfeiffer syndrome, like I mentioned, the the tall head that a lot of the kids have, their skull is prematurely fused together, which mm -hmm. means you see a baby, a baby that has soft spots on their head, enable it, there the soft spots on their head so it can mold um, to the woman's vaginal canal so it can leave the vagina. Callie's skull was already formed and fused together. That typically doesn't happen until they're two year old. So like think about it like a pop can where there's just all this pressure that's built up underneath there. And the reason why I think that that is the moment that some of those busted open is because, you know, after she was born, which we'll get to later on, some of the the spots or some of the the parts of her skull had had busted open and relieved pressure yeah that yeah. was like god really telling us i think that hey i got y'all it's gonna be okay there's so many moments of i got you because for us when she said that we were gonna have a c-section which is pretty common for kids with pfeiffer syndrome the parents she said the moms um delivering because like rome said the skull doesn't have any soft pockets and spots. And so there is no way for it to be able to kind of form when it's moving through the canal. And so for me, I, I was like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get Callie here. But that C-section was scary. And they said, we're going to move forward as if we're having a vaginal delivery. And if at any time and moment that we feel like this not going to be able to happen, then we will have an emergency C-section. And so, you know, reveal it she was born through vaginal like vaginal delivery and it was like wow something that was not typical we had to give birth in the operating room mm -hmm. because what they told us was 
Her chest cavity is small. We think that her lungs are small. So they didn't think she was going to be breathing. Mm -hmm. So we had to actually that same week she was born um, answer those questions on what you should do if she's not breathing. And we both like without hesitation, like save our baby. Yes, save like, her. Like what? If, well, they were like, I, she might not be crying. So you might not be able to have her on your chest. She might have to, there was, you see this room right here. One parent will have to go with her into this room as we resuscitate her. And it was just all of these very serious questions about her life. And I realized this is a very serious syndrome and situation. And, and this could go bad. It, it could go in a place where we went from thinking we were having this very beautiful, healthy pregnancy to answering these questions that neither one of us were prepared for. And I just feel like having to adapt to a situation, having to just shift and pivot and realize, okay, how do we show up for our unborn daughter is question and, and things that we continue to have to do now. Like we've always had to, in this journey, deal with the unknown, deal with the next day of, hey, she's she's sick, or hey, she needs to go to the hospital. Our, it's been a roller coaster of emotions. And those two weeks from finding out her diagnosis to having to be induced, those two weeks showed us kind of like what we should prepare for. And I feel like it is a, a journey that has been unexpected and has been a trial for us, but we grew so much in those two weeks of learning who we are, the emotion I saw from you, the crying, the us having to come together and say, hey, this little girl, she's going to feel this energy. And so if we are at a zero, we are down here, she's going to feel that. And so I felt like I had to push through of being very sad and to remember that there was going to be beauty on the other side and joy. And that is Callie's middle name, Kalia Joy. And she has been such a beautiful part of our lives. And that has been one of the, the best rebirth, best evolution of us is becoming parents and the challenges it has presented to us to become better human beings and to learn how to show up and be present in so many ways, but to learn how to fight and to fight for a girl from day one. And Minute I feel like one. there's been comments and comments when after she was born of questioning us and the haters, you know, the people who come in and, and, and talk about her appearance and we're like, nah, 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 we ain't staying for this. And when you realize what we've been through to get here, how we knew we wanted to be a family and how we knew we wanted to have children. And this is the God said, well, this is how, this is how you're going to become a parent and this is your child. And we said, okay, yep. this is our child. Like to, to your point, a lot of people ask me if I would have it any other way. Like if I would have her, her healthy or whatever. And every single time I'm like, I would not change one thing about it because no. My girl has been through more than most adults. I'm I'm comfortable and confident saying that. My girl has literally been through everything and just continues to smile. Mm -hmm. All she literally knows is joy. And no matter what, I needed joy in my life. You needed joy in your yeah. life. And 
I have no, I have no choice but to be the best dad ever for her. Not because I'm obligated to do so, because she deserves it. Right. Because she deserves everything. She she deserves to be able to come from a loving home. She deserves to be able to have things that she needs to progress her life. She deserves that all. And so that's why I'm happy to be who I am to her because yeah. she's my biggest accomplishment really and my biggest inspiration. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like Rome said, if, if we found out at 20 weeks versus 37 weeks at 10 weeks, no, like we were on this journey and this was how we were supposed to be parents. And we weren't going to change that narrative. We weren't going to say, no, we're good. No, this is what we, we didn't sign up for, but when you say you want to become a parent and you try, there's so many different syndromes or so many different things that can happen along that journey. And I feel like we have realized that since then of what is presented to you is, is meant to be there for a reason. And what's for you is for you. Right. And the skills that we have, like the things we've been through before this have been over time sculpting us and preparing us to be Callie's parents. And now Roman's parent. I just asked you guys too, as you think about your journey to becoming parenthood, what is something that's challenged you? What is something that has made you realize that this journey that you're on has been beautiful? It's been the purpose has. It's been know. worth it. Yeah. But with that said, that's episode five. We got more coming at y'all we do. with a part two, which is all about the delivery. Yes. So stay tuned for that. We'll catch y'all later.